Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty here on a Farmer Friday. We're live in the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so again, it is a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show. If you'd like to call in, that would be great. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a second here. Before we do, I would just say there are a lot of people starting harvest, or actually some people probably done, but if you are harvesting anytime soon or doing anything in the fields, please be safe. That's always got to be our number one message as we go into every fall is safety. And one of the things that our dad always talked to us about is he's like, Try to get a good night's sleep as much as you can, because when you're tired, that's usually when accidents happen more often. So just be extra careful, extra diligent if you are running a little bit low on sleep. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, first comment here is from Paul, and he had had an issue with mesotrione. In soybeans, and we said, oh, that's bad. So that'd be like Callisto, for example. Uh, that's the active ingredient is mesotrione. And anyway, we just said, boy, you'd have to have lots of rain and hope for the best. And, and he sent us a message saying, well, guys, we might pull this one off. Another rain would be perfect. Our beans are waist high and got lots of pods. So I will say, like on our farm, I had a situation a few years ago where a neighbor drifted what I thought was an extreme amount of uh, mesotrione onto one of my soybean fields. And I'm like, oh man, this doesn't look good, but let's just see what happens come fall. I'm not that worried about it. It's no, not a big area or anything. The beans were white. I mean, white. And I thought, oh man, there's no way. Well, they turned out to be 60 bushel beans. I can't really complain about that, right? Except for the whole field averaged well over 70. So, but still it's like, whatever, I I guess no big deal on just a few acres. I wasn't that worried about it, but yeah, hopefully Paul, that turns out fine for you. And for everyone out there, let's try to do everything we can to keep the meso off the soybean fields. All right, next one is from Andy. He says, hey, guys, can you take a look at my soil tests? The calcium is low, but this area doesn't typically use lime, and I've never used it. Okay, so here's the thing, Andy. When I look at your soil tests, as we often say here on the show, you've got a lot of variability. So when I looked at his tests, I saw a range of 5.7 pH, which could use a little bit of lime all the way up to 7.7 pH. His average is 6.9. And this is one of the reasons, too, why we encourage you, anybody listening, to do grid sampling or zone sampling on small areas. So when people hear zones, they think, oh, I'm going to take a an 80-acre field. I'm going to split it into three zones. Yeah, that's not good enough. And 10-acre grids, not good enough. Even 5-acre grids sometimes uh, you just you don't find the variability. I had the same problem on our own farm. Once we got down to small grids or small zones, we started picking up these differences just like Andy did here. Because obviously you want to treat a 5.7 pH soil a lot different than you want to treat a 7.7. But our problem in the past is we weren't picking up those spots, so we were over-liming in areas. We were doing things wrong, basically. And I get questions every day. Well, how can I cut back on fertilizer? Because, man, fertilizer's high-priced. I heard it from another guy this morning. 
wow, is fertilizer high? And I can't figure this thing out. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Let's just take it easy here. Number one, we got to see what you got in the first place. If we don't know what's in your field, I can't give you a good recommendation on what you should put out there. But anyway, in Andy's case, I would just say you got to treat some of these areas a little bit different. The only thing I can tell you that's consistent across your field is you have way too little potassium. So Andy's soil is, I call it medium to heavy. He's got 15 to 25 cation exchange capacity, but his base saturation K is all the way down to 1.4% up to 2.5. So Andy, that's one of the first things that I would tell you spend the money on. You look at the other big nutrient that most people are going to invest in for every crop, I mean, nitrogen, of course, you're going to do for certain crops, but like phosphorus, 35 parts per million P1 phosphorus, which isn't terrible, but the range is 16 all the way to 84. Well, if you're at 84 on a P1, for a lot of people, they can get by this year with cutting back on phosphorus. I'm not saying use none, but you definitely can cut back in those spots. But where you have 16, no possible chance. But yeah, Andy's comment was, hey, I know I'm low on calcium. Well, the only spot you're low, spots you're low on calcium that I see are where your pH is real low. So you put a little bit of lime on there, and you don't have to use a lot. But get just a little bit out there in those low pH spots, and you should be in pretty good shape. So that's the main thing that I would say. Um, oh, there is one last thing, and I think this goes for every farmer out there, zinc. We think just a little about zinc. A lot of people throw a quart in per acre for their corn. And you know what? In a lot of cases, that's not enough. So Andy's got a range of 1.6 parts per million up to 11.2 parts per million. Now, the 11.2 is great. And I'd say in that area, you don't want to put any more on. But where you have 1.6 on zinc, yeah, you got to get some more out there. All right. Uh, next one here. This one's from Brian. He says... I thought back in the winter of 2022, certain clinics that you guys put on were available to watch or listen since I am an Ag PhD Insider Magazine subscriber. Well, I don't currently see any of those clinics listed anymore, so I was just curious if those are available or not because I didn't get a chance to finish the soils clinic. That's why I was wondering. Thanks for your help, and thanks for all you do for the ag community. So, Brian, we just put those out there for a little while, uh, usually uh two to four week period after we get done. And part of the reason we do is because we, we the, these clinics that we put on, we're talking about some things that are really timely. And all of a sudden, markets change, prices change, things like that. So we do talk a lot more about specific prices and programs and things like that that aren't going to last forever. And if you hear it six months later, you're like, oh, wait a second. The guy said that this was cheap. And, well, maybe it's not so cheap anymore. So we just we want to make sure we're not putting out uh, misleading information. That's usually why we uh, will pull those down after a while. But, yeah, once again, this winter, we will have a number of Ag PhD winter workshops. They are free for our Ag PhD Insider Magazine subscribers. If you want to learn more about that, just go to agphdinsider.com. Uh, and it's very inexpensive to get the magazine, and we give you a lot of great information. All right, it's a Farmer Friday. We're going to get back to or going to get to the phone lines right after this. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com slash howler. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. 
The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. We're live in the Morton studio. Taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. If you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. It's what Harry did. He's calling from Illinois. Harry, how are you today? Oh, better than I deserve. How about you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm getting excited for harvest coming up here pretty soon. I'm not going to say we have a record crop coming or anything, but um, it could be a lot worse. I look at certain areas of country in severe drought. Some areas didn't get planted. So I feel pretty good that we should have at least a halfway decent crop coming. How's your crop looking? Well, I think it looks pretty good. We're, we've been very blessed. Uh, we were getting kind of dry as we worked our way through June. And then we had a rain first week in July at 3.7 inches or something like that, which... Wow. Uh, I don't think one drop of it ran off. Nice. And, uh, so well, that, I got, that's I, really put us back on the map again. I got a five-inch rain in an hour in early July, and a whole bunch of that ran off. So um, yeah, I, I, I wish that uh, I would have had your your nice rain that it sounds like you got. Yeah. So uh, what do yeah. you think is going to be the best crop you raise in the farm this year? Because you raise multiple crops, correct? We Yeah, we had uh, 92 bushel wheat, Yep. which was... That's not too bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. We had a hard time raising a lot, real high bushel, uh, high yielding soybeans. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think probably our corn is going to be the best. Yep. And uh, the, the county just did a yield survey today, and uh, the Farm Bureau did, and it's about 15 bushel higher than it was last year. Oh, wow. It was 201 last year and 215 this year. <laughs> well, that's almost so double that's what they're saying. kind of anecdotal. Yeah, that's almost but, uh, double what they're saying for South Dakota right now. So uh, that's uh, right. that's fantastic. So is yeah. it, 
are you raising non-GMO corn or Roundup Ready, BT? What kind of corn are you raising? Uh, this is the first year where it's been all uh, all traded corn. Uh-huh. Uh, we used to, up until this time, we raised uh, some waxy corn, oh. non-GMO waxy corn. Yep. But uh, I'm kind of getting, I'm old and getting booted out, so the younger generation <laughs> didn't want to do that. So that's what we did. Okay. But at least it looks good then in your first year doing it the all traded. Good. It does. It does. I noticed on Twitter today there was a guy that was talking about he did a yield test and uh, uh, I think it was a hundred two hundred and sixteen bushel or something like that was what the average was. But uh, he did a had done a test between down pressure controlled down pressure and not controlled down pressure and there's yep. almost 30 bushel difference between the two and, oh, wow. uh, so i don't know i think uh i'd i'd like to think that we have some things that we could do that will make what we already farm better and uh yeah that's one of the reasons why i listen to ag phd because there's a lot of little things i think you can do that that are kind of hard to quantify but together collectively they add more bushels. Awesome. So. Thank you, Harry. We appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I like looking at what some of the different yield champs have done. Not, not well, I, I'll just say the main reason why is because it gives me hope that we have the potential to do more with the ground we're currently farming. When you see what some of these big-time yields are from some of the same varieties many of us are raising, you go, okay, if the genetic potential is there, now I just have to try to maximize what I can possibly do in my soil. And, I mean, there are so many things, to your point. I mean, it's organic matter and drainage, fertility, you name it. So, yeah, there's certainly a lot that goes into farming. I I think, Harry, a lot of people look at us as farmers from the outside perspective and go, oh, that farming looks pretty easy, and boy, those guys don't work real hard or anything. And I'm going, whoa, this is a really complicated thing, and the science keeps changing, and we keep improving. Even like the down pressure thing you were mentioning, that wasn't even available to us 10 years ago. So all these little things, they do really start to add up. And I listened to a podcast the other day where they were interviewing Al Myers from Ag Leader. He talked about the struggles he had getting the first yield monitor and and I think, you know, we've got 22 or 23 years worth of yield data on yep. our farm. Yep. And how would we ever be able to quantify anything we did if we didn't have a yield monitor? Yep. How would we ever do that? Yep. I know. I agree with you. It's it, it, it's really pretty fun. And, you know, for guys like you and me that have been around for quite a while, I, I mean, we've seen the progression through things and we remember how it was 30 or 40 years ago and we go, wow, this is whole different now. It is a lot of fun. And I know a lot of guys around here that have been farming for a long time. I said, hey, aren't you going to retire at some point? And they're like, man, I'm just, I'm just having too much fun right now. I mean, the new equipment and technology and everything. So it's kind of exciting to be a farmer nowadays. I'm more excited about farming at 74 than I was at 44, I think, because <laughs> of being able to quantify some of the things we're trying. And, you know, being able to, we found out that it was worth seven bushel of the acre to plant on the strip versus, yep. not, versus not planting on the strip. Yep. How would you ever measure that any other way other than <laughs> trying to just go out there and, and count off uh, right. pounds of an acre and, and you just get one spot and uh, we've got multiple we can take those yield maps and cut out that 
data out of multiple fields and verify it over a number of acres and be confident that that's a repeatable thing. Yep. I, I know it's, it, it's pretty awesome. Hey, Harry, uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it. We want to wish you the best of luck here as, uh, as you get into your fall harvest season pretty soon. Thanks for, uh, keeping us, uh, on the ball and looking at new things all the time. <laughs> you bet. Thanks a lot, Harry. Appreciate it. All right. We're going to stay in, in Illinois. We've got Clint calling in. Hey, Clint, how are you today? Good. How are we doing? Excellent. So, uh, is harvest coming pretty soon on your farm? Uh, boy, I, I'm not, I'm in no hurry. (laughs) (laughs) It get done. It always does. Yep. Uh, I'd say, I'd say three weeks, three weeks we'll see somebody doing something. Then once one guy starts, everybody goes ballistic and wants to try. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree that that's usually one of the reasons why I like pulling our planter out really early in the spring and people just see the planter out and they're like, what are you guys going? Should I be going? And <laughs> it, it, well, it's yeah, kind of I fun. I got a funny story about that. One day, one year, me and my dad want to be the first ones to plant and we're like, yeah, the ground's right. Temperature's right. Let's be the first ones. Yep. And, uh, I got a big hurry and started loading the planter up in the shed and, putting seed in it and we're like hey are you spilling seed he goes no i'm not oh crap we forgot to put the seed plates in <laughs> <laughs> so we had to dump all the seed back out and sweep up all the mess yeah yeah we, we've had similar things happen on our own farm so <laughs> yeah every year every year we bring that up hey remember that time <laughs> yeah, it never pays to get in a big hurry. It doesn't seem like. No, I know. Hey, uh, Clint, I hear you're doing some work with AGI. Can you tell us just a little, little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, AGI, I I found them at the farm show um, in Decatur one year, and I was talking to a guy there, and, and, uh, and I started talking to a salesman, and we thought, oh, let's try two bins out, and mm-hmm. uh, we love it, and. Uh, we use it on every bin so, now. So, uh, so what are you getting exactly then? What systems? Basically, did you I get? have the grain bin monitoring system. Okay. System. Yep. And uh, basically, what I always tell everybody, it's it's like having uh, auto steer for your grain bins. <laughs> the way I can so, describe it, you know, you know, I mean, with auto steer, I mean, everybody. First guys start getting auto steer, like, boy, they can drive straight. Oh, that's yep. auto steer. Right. Now you drive down the road and you're like, boy, that guy does not have auto steer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? uh, well, the way I can describe it is it's, I set my moisture at the grain bin. Yep. I want 14.8 corn and I want a certain temperature. Hit auto, fans turn on and off automatically. Yeah. I can sit there and monitor. I could be in Mexico and monitor my grain moistures in my grain bins yeah it's pretty awesome those uh those types of grain bin systems are great we've used some in the past too and have uh have different ones on our on our bins but yeah they're pretty awesome hey clint i apologize we got to get running but thanks a lot for calling in today really appreciate it and uh, we want to wish you the best the rest of the summer all right thank you you bet thank you all right stay tuned we'll be right back with more ag phd radio What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide. 
the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. It's a Farmer Friday, and we're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. If you want to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Dick did. He's calling in from Wisconsin. Hey, Dick, how are things going for you today? Good. Not bad at all. Good. Corn, the early corn is starting to dent, starting to dent, looking good, but I got a little problem with the soybeans. Okay. What happened? We've... We, we planted them on May 19th, and we sprayed them on J- July 10th, and by the 11th, they were all laying on the ground. Okay. So we repl- we replanted um, on July 18th. Right now, they're about 22 inches tall, and they're blossoming. Okay. But the seed company, the original seed company, claims they were out of seed. They were not going to supply us with any replant, and we found another company to get seed from 
and we replanted. Sure. Now when we talk to the seed company, they're asking if we're taping this. They're, they're, they're asking if we're taping this. So say that again? Yeah, if we're taping the, con- the conversation. You mean my conversation with you right now? No, 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 when I when we talk to the seed to the seed company. I <laughs> know, uh, I, I know, I got gotcha. you, I got gotcha. you, I understand, they're, I understand they're, they're where you're trying, going. They're, no, they're trying to back out of it that it wasn't yeah. their fault. So, what what was the real problem here, though, Dick? So you said that this stuff got sprayed on July 10th. It got sprayed with what? The wrong herbicide or something, or what? Well, when we bought the seed, the company, the spray company and the seed company man were in the same office and we we're talking about it. And now nobody will say anything, but the regrowth, the first planting we have, didn't, it didn't all die. Okay. There's about 15% that made it. And funny thing is there might be 10 feet of good planting and then all of a sudden it's burnt right down to nothing. Sure. So something's telling me they had the wrong a mixture of wrong seeds in there oh gotcha so what what are you what are you after here and i guess what's your question for me dick well yeah i don't know what you know what if what we should do if we should can that the crop insurance will not cover it okay because it's a human error okay so, so and when you went back to the i don't know it, it, go ahead i i think the seed company should be a little bit more, I don't know what to say. If There's a lot of loss in income coming. I can see that because they're saying we're lucky if we'll get 30 bushel to the acre. And what do you normally get? Replanted. What do you normally get? I would say up, in, up into the 60s. <laughs> How many acres are we talking here? 200. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good, especially in a year when the crop price is as good as it is. Well, Dick, yeah. um, I, I, unfortunately, I've been involved in some different things over the years myself like this. Um, I, I, however, am not a lawyer, and I can't give you legal counsel or anything like that. Uh, yeah. But I would just say, I, I would just say that usually these things do get worked out with the seed company, and so I would just continue talking to them. But it also could be rather than the seed company. Uh, did you do your, well, I guess the main question here is, did you do your own spraying? Did you spray something on this or did someone else no, spray it for you? No. Okay. No, no. Some, someone else sprayed it for yeah, us. Yeah. So obviously, you're right. So obviously whatever got sprayed on there was the wrong thing. And so are they saying that you told them to spray this and it killed the stuff or they're saying, all right, well, we, well, are, are they saying that or are they not? No, we told them here. They were both standing there, and they said, "You know, if you spray, if you plant a seed, you can spray just about anything. It'll sure. take that wild yep. hemp out." Yep. Yep. So, so I, I don't want to say no chemical or seed company names at all till nope, maybe nope, something nope. will be worked out. No, and 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 I I, I guess. If it's me, uh, Dick, I would just continue going back to whoever did this spraying because, I mean, that's really where in my in my mind, just again, with only knowing the little amount of facts you've given me so far, it just seems like whatever got sprayed on there is what caused the problem. It wasn't the seed you planted. It's whatever got sprayed. And so that's the company that I'd be going back to. 
and I'm sure that they have insurance, but I'd just be talking to them and I would go from there. So that that's what I would do. That would be my advice to you. Okay, that's a good advice. Well, I yeah, I wish I had more that I could do for you, and we certainly hate <laughs> to hear about these kind of things. Unfortunately, it does happen just about every year. I, I know some fields happen. have yeah. been killed this year by somebody sprayed the wrong thing in the wrong field, and sometimes it even happens to some of us farmers. It happened even in our own research stuff about, oh, uh, this was three, four years ago, and we had to plant some stuff late. I mean, that actually turned out fine because we were early enough. It was only early June. But still, I, I mean, mistakes do happen, and we just have to uh, to work our way through them. Uh, Dick, we want to wish you the best yep. of luck. Hopefully it all turns out fine for you. Thanks much. You bet. Take care. Yep, you too. All right, let's go down to uh, Mississippi. Got Dean calling in. Dean, hopefully you have a little easier question than uh, than Dick's question there. <laughs> I got in on the tail end of it, but as a commercial applicator, I was feeling—I was feeling a little bit of heat on that deal. Somebody somewhere screwed up. Yeah, I, and you know, for any of us who own businesses—farmers, retailers, anybody—I mean, mistakes are going to happen, and it just—it stinks because ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, those things are certainly not done on purpose, and everybody feels bad about the situation. But let's talk about more happy things, Dean. Anything, uh, anything positive going on in agriculture down around you? How the crops look? Oh, uh, crops are okay. Um, some of our some of our early beans are fixing to come off now. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna spray some gramoxone on them here Monday mm-hmm. and get the leaves off of them. They're, the pods are pretty pretty well matured, but we got some late rain, so the plant is trying to go one more time, and and uh, it's time it, it's time for it to quit. Sure. So we're gonna take the leaves off of those here and and probably cut them by the end of this next week. And corn's at twenty three twenty four percent, so. Um, not too far off of being in that in that also. So at what moisture at what moisture do you like what, to get corn off? Oh, if it's going in the bin, I I like to I like to start by eighteen, so that way you know by the time we're we're starting to wrap up, by the time we're down to fifteen, you know. Sure. Um, now if a guy had a dryer, you know, you I could start a lot sooner than that, but yep. But uh. Yeah, that's yep. a that's the reason why I was asking. We do have a dryer, and and so when it's hitting twenty three, twenty four percent, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a good time for me to get started. I don't want to go crazy, but I mean, I don't <laughs> mind pulling a little bit out. The thing I've always found, Dean, I don't know how it is with you and any of your equipment, but for me, I tell the guys, all right, guys, it's time to go, and we get started, and it's like we do ten percent of a normal day on day one. Something's always wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're trying to figure something out, so that's why I'm always oh, like, yeah. let's start a day or two early, and then. And we got a little cushion there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that that'd be like that dryer thing. That's been something I, I've been really looking into. You know, it would give me a it give me a chance to get some some corn off early and give me a chance to get started on some field work even. Yeah, a little sooner. It, you know, it it would buy us some time on the tail end in the fall and get let us get these cover crops established in good yep. time and. I just see a lot of positives to that, but just haven't quite got there yet. Well, I mean, we're a long ways north from you, and I mean, it's you've got a lot of growing season left or a lot of heat left. A lot of times for us, we don't have a lot of heat left when we start taking that corn off. So if I don't take it off at that point, um, it might have to sit there till spring and letting it sit there till spring in my experience hasn't worked out too well for us. So anyway, a little bit different situation, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, either way it's, it's nice having a few extra days. So anything else going on in your area, Dean, right now? 
Man, not really. It's it, we're just everybody's kind of on the tail end of everything. I mean, you know, everybody's starting to look at taking leaves off of beans and yep. and uh, starting to. The biggest thing is is starting to try to figure out how to navigate these fertilizer prices. You know, are yep. we are we going to do FOSS this fall or are we going to wait till next spring and put yep. it down with the planter? You know, ten thirty four zero or starting to look at some of them options and price some triple super here the other day and nine hundred bucks a ton. That's got you. You know, I think a lot of guys are starting to look at variable rate. You know, yep. that hasn't been something that's been so big in this country, but a lot of guys are starting to say, you know what, that that grid sampling or or zone sampling that yep. field and, and, and variable rate, that's all starting to really make sense all of a sudden. That, yep. I agree with you 100% there, Dean. I mean, we've been talking about that here on the show for the last few weeks, too. I mean, fertilizer prices are high, but I don't mind spending the money if we know we can get a good return in certain spots in the field. Hey, Dean, we get a run, but thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. When it comes to your tillage equipment, stop compromising and start doing more in one pass. New from McFarland Ag, the Insight 5200 with an independent blade configuration lets you get more done in less time. Ideal for rocky or sticky soil, the 5200 has two sets of independently mounted blades adjustable up to 12 degrees, a unique chopping reel, and five different finishing attachments, giving you the perfect seedbed. Learn more about the Insight 5200 by visiting McFarlandAg.com today. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeal Pro Miticide from Valent USA. 
With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, our phone lines are open 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, we got Jerry calling in next from out in Montana. Jerry, how are things looking out in your state? Brian, it's a hot and dry harvest kind of a day. So are you harvesting right now? You know, we just finished yesterday, actually, so our harvest is done, and so it's nice. Uh, I'm actually just on my way right now from Circle to Mile City, taking a little county fair down there. i got three of the grandkids in the pickup with me. Well, first of all, congratulations on finishing harvest. It's always fun. I expected you were going to be going fishing right away or something. Well, I'd I'd do that for the first time this year, too. That would be nice. (laughs) So how did yields turn out? You know, overall, we were pretty happy with the with the crops. Probably a a, a solid average, anyway, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was um, kind of especially going into this spring, we were bone dry after a you know drought last year. And yeah. when we were planting, it looked like another one coming. But um, we kind of tried to do things so that if things turned around. It would uh, you know we could still pick up a nice crop, and we're yeah. thankful. For that we did. We got timely rains, no big abundance, but uh, timely and decent temperatures until finally here the last month it warmed up and turned into harvest weather. So yeah, I awesome. guess that was what you hoped for. So do you do any fall seeded crops or will you wait till next spring to plant your next crop? Well, we would uh, hopefully we'll get some good fall rain here. We would like to uh, plant some winter wheat, but sure. um, we typically haven't for the last number of years. We we crop everything every year and so we don't have any fallow to lean back on and sure and so we we need to get some moisture to to be able to do that so what's kind of your cutoff date where you say boy if i don't have moisture by this date i'm not going to seed any winter wheat well of course every fall is a little different but i <laughs> you know somewhere around the 15th of september yeah. because you kind of want to have things to give things uh an opportunity to start the weeds and uh, volunteers and cheat grasses and things so you can kill them before you plant a crop. So you start getting into uh, early October and the, and the weather changes pretty fast. Yeah. And so uh, you, you start to limit your um, advantages to planting winter wheat versus spring wheat. Jerry, I'm just curious, what's the worst weed that you fight in your area and your crops? Oh, yeah. You know, I would say for uh, all in all, um, when you consider pulses are a big part of our yep. cropping rotation, I would say probably one of the toughest ones, two of the toughest ones would be buckwheat and sunflowers because you can't take either one of them out of a pulse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, those pulse crops, I mean, they're good. It's just the problem is the weed control side. So... Yeah, and and for like buckwheat and sunflowers, for those of us here uh, a little east of you, when we're raising corn and soybeans, we have plenty of options to get those weeds under control, and then we're dealing with something different, you know? 
Hey, uh, yep. uh, Jerry, I, I guess, again, I want to congratulate you on finishing Harvest. Uh, glad to hear that. Have fun down at the fair, and thanks a lot for calling in today. You bet. Good visit with you, Brian, and good luck with your crops down there. All right. Thanks a lot. Let's go next to our friend Mark. He's a farmer calling in today. And, uh, Mark, I, I see you sent me some pictures. Janelle just passed those on to me. What, what do we have going on in your beans there? Uh... Two and a half inches of rain from Sunday till yesterday. Continuous rain or mist. They're growing in the pod. Yep. I, I The first picture I looked at, I'm like, is that a worm in there? And then I looked at another picture. I'm like, no, it's just uh, growing out of the pod. So how long had these beans kind of been ready to harvest, and now they, they have to sit there because of this rain? Well, they were probably ready to spray about the time it started raining, and uh, like I said, it was you know Sunday after Sunday about noon it started raining. It was a continuous either rain or mist or fog all the way till yesterday morning. So I noticed this about two days ago, and of course some other guys have, seems to be limited to two or three varieties right now. Some of them, some of them, of course, are worse than others. But anyway, yep. No. Uh, and and where is this at? Which state is this in? Uh, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. So how often does this happen yeah. to you where the beans, you aren't able to harvest them right away, and then they start uh, spout, uh, sprouting in the pods? I've seen this one other time in 13 years that I can oh. that I can remember. Okay. So not, not terrible often, but, uh, I, I mean, you know, sometimes usually they just they rain and, you know, it's 85 degrees while it's raining, and sometimes you'll get some damage. But I don't know. This one, a couple of these varieties seem to start sprouting. I don't. Hmm. I, I, I haven't been able to find any damage. They just they just started growing. I, I don't know. Hmm. It looked uh, like you had quite a, a few situation. Yes. It looked like you had quite a few pods. I mean, does it, it look to you I, that yield's going to be pretty my, good? My agronomist thought they'd 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 make a hundred or a little more before <laughs> all this started. <laughs> Oh wow! So when's the rain supposed to stop? Uh, there's a there's at least a thirty percent chance of rain all the way through the ninth of September. Well, let's hope that the seventy percent is more accurate than the thirty percent, and uh, and you dry out yeah. at least for a couple of days to get her done. Have you been yeah, able have yeah. you have, have you been able to harvest at all? Yeah, we got uh, we got five loads of corn picked before it started raining, hmm. and uh, there was some guys cutting some beans that were that were pretty good. You know, some uh, eighty bushel stuff. There, you know, they were all shorter season varieties planted. Those beans there were planted the fourth of April, and uh, hmm. there were some guys actually planted some beans in March, some some early group fours, and they were they were they were harvesting them, and they were pretty good. Now, one of the things, I've worked with a lot of guys over, like in the Carolinas, for example, and they talk all the time about trying to get some certain crops off really early before they get to hurricane season. Do you have, like, a certain date yeah. you're trying to hit or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, 15th of October would be real nice. Um, it's, it seems like if once you get... Once it once you get to Halloween, you're on pretty borrowed time just because of the mud. It you know you sure. get a five inch rain or something hurricane season, and you get a big rain, and then you just you just cannot get the ground dried back out. You know we matter of fact we put rice tires on the combine this morning. We're going to go try to get some corn tomorrow. Yep, uh, and it ain't going to be good. Mm. But 
I don't know what else to do. Yep. I know. Sometimes you just have to go. Uh, there are a lot of farmers yeah. around around that, I mean, depending on the crop, I mean, there are certain crops that they just have to come out. Otherwise, you end up with, uh, with what's going on in your beans. And unfortunately, with beans, I mean, if it doesn't stop raining, there's nothing much you can do. No, not really. No, I don't know. There's guys talking about, which I mean, this, this is pretty isolated area. I'm 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 about mid Delta here at Greenville. Everything south is pretty. You know, we we well. I had one farm got nine inches here this last the last this last week. But wow. uh, you get thirty forty miles north of me, and they they haven't had this problem. So it's a pretty isolated area here, South Mississippi, Louisiana, and Southern Arkansas. Sure. And and they've actually been worse down in Louisiana than we have. I was down there Monday, and it was rained like water pouring out of a bucket all day. Wow. So, so it's, it's been pretty tough. All right. So you talked about how the beans do look good. Let's hope for the best on that harvest side, and hopefully things will dry out for you pretty quick. But why are the beans looking so good? I mean, was there anything that happened this year, anything you did this year where you go, oh, wow, I think this is really adding up to more yield? Not really. Just that particular field there is pretty sandy, and we're able to uh, – we, we flung some P&K out there early in the spring and, and – rode it up and, and got a rain on it and got it planted pretty early yep and you know it's been a pretty dependable variety and it just it rung the bell i've got some beans under a pivot there a couple miles away they were planted just a few days after that and i think they're just as good as those i mean i've, yep. I've done a lot of work with variable rate you know that kind of stuff sure last couple of years fertilizer was high closed your eyes and went ahead and put it on <laughs> anyway and i yep I, you know, it's yeah. You know, your agronomist is calling you, telling you what it's going to cost, and and you just <laughs> grin, grin and bear it. I guess yep. you know. Well, you look at you look at the number on the other end and think, man, if I can just get four or five more bushel, you know, it's right. gonna it's gonna more than pay for it. Yeah, so, that's right. Anyway, well, hey, Mark, we want to yeah. wish you the best of luck. We'll uh, pray for a little dry weather for you, and hopefully, it all turns out good. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck to you too. Yep. Thanks a lot, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, got a little bit of time left here in our show today on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tougher weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tailed fescue, and downy brome. 
Plus, weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Thanks for listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio today. It's a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are still open, 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to jump back to the phones right now. i got Nick calling in from up in Saskatchewan. Nick, I hear you've had a drought up there this summer. Back-to-back drought, actually. Last year was a bad one, and this year, unfortunately, again. Uh, yeah, that's rough. That happened to us in 2012 and 2013. Um, at least I assume that for whatever crops you're raising, the prices are still good. Are your commodity prices up there still okay? Yeah, they are really good. Yeah. 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 So, um, what what's your plan then? No subsoil. <laughs> Go ahead. We just got no subsoil moisture going into the next year again, and that's what that seems to be the more worry as as uh, we got no no reserve moisture. So when you miss out on that one timely rain, then uh, the crops start suffering really bad. Yep, that's... And uh, yeah, that's, we've got nothing to fall back on. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you, is what's your plan then going into next year when you're sitting there that dry? <laughs> we just, we uh, just do what we can with soil sampling, so we know what to do with that, because yep. obviously that, uh, that makes a difference, because uh, you should have most of the... Fertility still there, but you right. want to double check it is in case something happened. But yep. uh, so we do a lot with that, and really nothing we else we can do. Just Mother Nature, when she wants to run the place, she can run the place still. So, are, are you changing? Yeah. Are you changing crop rotation or anything? Will you plant anything different? Any acres different? Uh, sometimes we, uh, insurance uh, coverage is higher on it favors some crops, so we tend to lean towards those crops if if we think there's another looming drought in the coming so we can't favor that that rotation if the coverage is better with the insurance so sure so that does help out i asked one of our callers a little bit earlier in his area what's his number one weed problem i'm just curious nick what what are your maybe top Co- one or two weeds kosha, <laughs> kosha and kosha, kosha? and kosha 
king, and it's uh, yep. it's getting to be. Uh, ha- I would say, well, maybe not quite half, but it's getting to be uh, up there for uh, roundup resistance stuff too. Yeah. So it's it's you got to do lots to control it in the fall, or else it just gets to be that much more seeds out there and gets that much more population of it. So. Yeah, I'm with you. A lot of the kochia in my state here is ALS resistant and it's Roundup resistant. So uh, a little bit tougher. And we've had a couple of dry years too, probably not as dry as you, but I mean, they've been real dry. And so we've seen a lot more kochia in the last couple of years because kochia seems to survive the drought pretty well. Uh, it's too bad we yeah, can't raise I that wish. as a cash crop. I know. I wish they can put that gene into the, the plant somehow, yeah. I've, yeah. A, I've actually brought that up to researchers many times in the past. Hopefully somebody is working on that because there's something <laughs> in that darn kosher. Yeah. yeah, it survives drought, yeah. salt, you name it. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's vibrant. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've had about two inches of rain here so far the whole season. Yeah. So not much. No, no, that's for sure. Well, hopefully and it'll you turn- don't have to go very far. Yeah, you can go, you drive half an hour and start to get wet again. Oh, okay. It's not, yep. it's not a huge, yeah. Well, what happened to us, we went through these two drought years of 2012 and 2013. Like 2012, we had no rain for three months. It was really uncommon. And then 2013 oh, yeah. was even drier. And, and 2014 started off dry, but then the first three weeks of June, we got 20 inches of rain. I couldn't believe it. It's a, it was more Ooh. than we had the two prior years combined. We got it three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. all of a sudden, things were flooding, and I go, what? We just had terrible drought for two years so i'm not yeah. rooting for flood yeah. for you but hopefully you'll get more back to normal rain next year well you're saying it can rain again now. <laughs> <laughs> it'll happen sooner or later so anyway nick uh, good luck up there thanks a lot for calling in thank you you bet all right let's head down to georgia got jeff calling in wants to talk about alfalfa i hear jeff uh, what's going on with alfalfa well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Thank you for taking my call. I'm a, sort of a rookie, uh, a rookie cattle guy, uh, small operation, and I was just wondering, we can, you know, we grow uh, soybeans and and cotton down here. Why can't we have a good crop of alfalfa? What's your soil? What's your, what? It, no, what's your soil pH, Jeff? Oh God, man! I'm I'm a cattle farmer, and I I don't I I don't know into that right now. Uh, but that's what I was wondering: is yep. is it the soil? Is that, is that okay. what it is, sir? So the number one thing that I see when people don't have a good alfalfa crop is their soil pH is too low. In Georgia, it's real common to see fours and fives for pH, and you want your yeah. al, al, your any ground you're going to raise alfalfa on, it's got to be a minimum of a 6.8 pH. Now you can fix that and you okay. can fix it almost instantaneously with lime. Um, I mean, granted it does take a little bit of time, but in your climate with all your heat and moisture, it's going to come a lot faster than in my climate is what I'm trying to say, that breakdown of that lime. Right. But anyway, you've got to get that pH up. If you don't, you're just wasting your time and money. So that's the number one gotcha. thing I would tell you. So you fix that first and then you'll be in pretty good shape. And then the other big things are it takes a tremendous amount of phosphorus and potassium out of the soil. So if you have light soil, which a lot of people do in Georgia, then you're going to have to at least kind of spoon feed or put some potassium on every year. But with the phosphorus, I mean, with both of these nutrients, you've got to load up the soil. So you get the pH right, you get it loaded up with P and K, and then you're going to spoon feed as you go with things like 
potassium, sulfur, boron, stuff like that. And generally, you should be in pretty good shape. Oh, the weeds are the other thing. So what we do, and and so we just put in 500 acres of alfalfa on our farm this year. Uh, But what we would suggest to any alfalfa producer anywhere is start with Eptam. Go out there with four and a half pints per acre, and I know it's a big rate, but four and a half pints per acre of Eptam and till it in immediately and it will be tremendous for weed control. Then you don't have so many weeds that are, uh, because, I mean, right off the bat, if you don't get a good stand, if you have weeds competing super well, I mean, you, yeah. you, you've been had. You, you can't ever recover that. And you're, and you're going to hope to leave that alfalfa stand in a few years. So you got to get things started off right. So those are the big keys, I would say, Jeff. Man, I appreciate it. And I learned so much just listening to you every day religiously. So thank you so much for what you do for us, uh, especially some ignorant guy like me. I uh, <laughs> learn a lot. Thank you so much, and I enjoy your show. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. And, hey, Jeff, I would say if you get some soil tests off this ground where you want to raise alfalfa, send them to us. Just email them to radio at agphd.com. We'll look at those anytime if you want us to. And, I mean, there might be some other things where I go, ooh, hey, make sure you address that nutrient or this other nutrient here. But I hit the big ones, uh, so these are the main things you got to do. You got it. I'll do that, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. You bet. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, alfalfa is just a little bit different crop, and that pH thing, I I mean, that is such a key with alfalfa. And we don't think about it real often with corn and beans sometimes because you can still raise pretty good crop if you're in the upper fives, low sixes. But, boy, that alfalfa tonnage, it goes right to nothing if your pH is really low. All right. Uh, I got time for a little, uh, just for a few questions yet, uh, jumping back to the Ag PhD mailbag. Lawrence sent us, and Lawrence from Kansas, sent us, not Lawrence, Kansas, but Lawrence from Kansas, <laughs> sent us uh, an article about how sulfur, and just in this article, they said today over 80% of the global sulfur supply comes from desulfurization of fossil fuels. So anyway, the fear is that, well, boy, if we all of a sudden don't have a lot of fossil fuels, maybe we won't have enough sulfur to meet all our needs because as farmers, we need a tremendous amount of sulfur to raise a good crop. Look, Lawrence, is that possible? Yes, but there's a lot of sulfur around. There are a lot of sulfur sources. I'm not that worried about it. Maybe I should be, but uh, but thanks for sending that over. Hopefully, we'll continue to have plenty of sulfur to meet all our needs. Next one comes from Ethan. He says, could you strip till the same lines over and over and move eight inches to the right or left and then move back rather than 15 inches if you have rocky soils? Um, Ethan, you can do just about whatever you want to do. There are a lot of people that used to do, uh, basically they would, they, they'd kind of hill things up and they would be right in that, uh, in that same strip all the time. And they'd call that ridge till. But with strip till, a lot of times, yeah, we do move, we're in 30-inch spacings, move over 15, then move back. But like on our farm, we do not move fully back over the 15 inches we move the first time. We try to keep it off just a little bit. So I, I have no issue with you doing that. It works just fine. And as much as you can, try to plant over the strip or real close to that. And that's where you maximize yield. Uh, thanks for the question. Appreciate that. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle. She was running the controls for me today. Appreciate that. Thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions. We appreciate you. And thanks to everybody for listening. We hope you join us again each weekday 
for more Ag PhD Radio.